This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 54. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's episode, remember the errata. I thought it would be worthwhile to remind you once again of the importance of having your clients request the right to review the transcript of their deposition once it's typed up in order to review and correct any inaccuracies that might appear in the transcript. It's not unusual for litigators, whether new to the practice or in the business for a very long time, to pass on the right to review. My experience is that brand new lawyers sometimes are hesitant to request the right to review because they see it maybe as a slap at the reporter, a sign of no confidence. They don't want to offend, so they pass. At the other end of the experience level, sometimes very experienced litigators will sometimes pass on the right to review if they're accustomed to dealing with a particular reporter and feel confident that he or she will get it right. But I'd counsel you, except in very rare cases, to always reserve the right to read the transcript and to urge your clients to do so, no matter what the client's own individual instinct might be. It costs nothing to do so. And reserving the right doesn't mean you actually have to uh, go through the transcript later once it's ready. If for some reason you change your mind, don't recommend you do that, but it's not a permanent commitment. But remember that original deposition answers are the admissions of the party. They become part of the record evidence in the case. And I've cited a case in the show notes that says exactly that. So if you pass on the right to review, then the transcript and any errors baked therein become final. That then becomes the official record of your client's deposition testimony, and it's obviously admissible evidence against them. I had a client last week, a senior chief financial officer for a major national healthcare corporation, send me corrections for his errata sheet. And the errors in the transcript were pretty stunning. One of the answers captured as having come from my client was actually a question from the opposing lawyer. Several answers where the client said the word without were mistakenly transcribed as the word with. It completely changed the substance of his answers. The word and was also missing from several of his responses, which again changed the meaning of the phrases before and after. Some answers that were temporally expressed as having occurred in the past were erroneously transcribed as if they were current events. Some names were misspelled that effectively changed the substance of who he spoke to. There were roughly 40 changes, many of them going well beyond mere typographical errors where words were inserted or even omitted that changed the effect of his testimony. So if I had cavalierly said, we'll waive, he'd be in trouble. And this was a reporter that I've worked with for many years. I've got great respect for her and I would not have expected this. But reporters are human, they make mistakes. And if they use a scopist, which is in effect a behind the scenes proofreader, who uses the same software along with the audio to edit and in theory finalize and correct the translated stenography, it's conceivable that the scopist will either miss errors or add their own by correcting something that didn't need to be corrected. Maybe your court reporters got a migraine the day of your deposition. Maybe the scopist had a migraine the day that they reviewed it. You just never know. In my case, the deposition started in the morning and ran until early evening, so everyone especially the reporter, was exhausted. And that's where mistakes happen. So you've got to review it. And the sooner the better. Most folks cannot remember verbatim testimony they gave even after just a few weeks. 
Now remember, of course, that there are specific requirements depending on the rules governing your jurisdiction when it comes to submitting errata sheets. Under the federal rules, which have been adopted by most states, you've got to request the right to review before the deposition closes. You've got to review it within 30 days. You've got to write out the changes and you've got to explain the changes and then sign it. If your client misses any of these seemingly unimportant steps, you open the door to allow a court to reject your errata sheet and take the testimony as it was transcribed for better or worse. So that's under Rule 30E. And if a court is so inclined, it will use these technical deficiencies in the handling of the errata sheet to rule against you. Of course, as I've discussed before, the extent to which your client makes changes on an errata sheet will always be a matter of great debate. That's really something I covered in another episode. Generally speaking, simple typos, grammatical errors, clear mistakes by the reporter, no problem. Substantive changes, sometimes a problem. Jurisdictions differ on the extent to which you can make substantive changes to testimony. Again, the federal rules at least contain no specific restrictions whatsoever on the types of changes that your client can make. But as I covered in a previous episode, courts have said that depositions are not take-home exams. And the purpose of the errata sheet most clearly is not to make wholesale changes and improvements to the testimony. It's to correct errors in the testimony, sometimes clarify. You just have to know what the courts in your jurisdiction say is appropriate. Some jurisdictions clearly allow more than others. I know of one case though, where the errata sheet contained almost a thousand changes, which led to sanctions, which led to an appeal, and of course, which involved lots of heartache and headache for everyone involved. So remember the errata sheet, critical piece of the deposition puzzle. That's it for today's episode. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.